Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. Welcome to episode 34 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. All right, it is now officially August. I'm recording this on August 2nd. And it is pouring rain here. I have to say our July has been one of the coolest Julys that I can remember. And so I'm really hoping that August kind of shapes up and we get some warmer summer weather because I feel like we haven't really had any yet where I live. Anyways, today I have a really great interview with uh, Sasha Shilkut. Sasha is a, a cardiac anesthetist in Nebraska. And she is the creator and leader of a group called Brave Enough. And today, Sasha is on the show talking about burnout. Now, burnout is not directly weight related, but it is so connected. I think so often as physicians, when we are struggling with our job demands, our life demands, and how we are feeling emotionally, one of the easiest ways for us to cope with that is through eating and overeating. And for a lot of us, when that those are our coping mechanisms, burnout can lead to more weight. And also, I think the flip side is true. I think when you're really struggling with a problem like weight and you feel uh, disempowered and you feel out of control and you feel like you can't fix it, that can overflow into other areas of your life and it can make you feel less in control in other areas. So in this podcast and in my weight loss coaching, I really believe in approaching weight from a holistic standpoint. So it's not just about what you should eat. It's about treating yourself as a whole individual and taking care of yourself in every aspect, which then makes it easier to take care of your weight. And I think burnout is a really important topic for us to talk about in that arena. And I think burnout is a really important topic for us to talk about just in general as physicians. It affects a lot of us and will probably affect most of us at some point in our career. And the statistics are staggering. It's something like 40 to 50% of physicians at any given time are experiencing burnout. And I think as a Um, group and as a profession, I think the more we talk about it and the more we talk about ways to approach it and manage it, the better off we are. And so that's why I really enjoyed this interview with Sasha. I think she has a lot of really good points about managing her own burnout and then what she suggests when she's working with other physicians who have burnout. And I'd be interested in your story. What have you experienced with burnout and what did you do to help yourself through it? Uh, you can send me an email at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca to let me know. Now, if you're enjoying this podcast, please remember to hit the subscribe button and please tell your friends, pass it on to other people that might benefit from it. That's a great way for it to get out and get it so that other people can be helped uh, by this podcast. And without further ado, let's get into the interview. All right. Welcome to the show, Sasha. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to chat with you today. 
All right. So I thought what we could start with is just if you wanted to introduce yourself for anybody who doesn't know who you are and tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself. Yeah. So I am a cardiac anesthesiologist uh, who practices full time in the, at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, and I'm a mom of four and I lead an organization called Brave Enough. Um, which is uh, an empowerment movement to encourage women. Um, I started that after I started a Facebook group for women physicians who were burned out. And I did that through out of my own story of burnout, um, realizing how isolated I was and lonely I was, um, and really needing to connect with other women that I could be my true self around. So I do that and lead conferences and retreats and classes for women doctors, just like you. Nice. Uh, so how did you get there? That sounds like, you know, on top of uh, being a full-time anesthetist, uh, that sounds like a lot of stuff to be doing. So how did you end up doing all that? <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, it's funny because people ask me all the time, I speak often on burnout and, and do some and publish on it. And people ask me, they're like, how are you not burned out now? Because you're doing more than it seems like you were doing when you did burn out. But the difference is that um, I now I'm doing work that I enjoy and I love. And it's not that I don't get oftentimes some symptoms of burnout, but I think it's a continuum. And it really, there's nothing that compares to about five years ago when I totally, completely had clinical burnout. I mean, I had all the symptoms of it. And if you would have come to me and said, you can quit being a doctor tomorrow and still support your family and do this other job, I would have taken it in a heartbeat. And I found myself at the pinnacle, what was, what was ironic was that I was having significant success in my academic career at that point. I was speaking all over the country. I had an NIH grant. I was publishing. I was working, you know, and doing difficult cases in the operating room, but I was completely miserable. And I was, I got to a point where um, it was a, it was a pivotal point in my life where I literally felt like I cannot get up and do this again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And it was almost like I was looking at myself from another person's perspective and, and thinking, who is this shell of a person? And I remember I was at a hotel checking in one night in Chicago for some training that I needed to do. And I walked past a row of mirrors and I saw myself in the hotel mirror. Um, and I didn't even recognize myself. I had, you know, I hadn't exercised in years. I hadn't put my health first in years. And I was just so busy being a mom and being a doctor that there was no Sasha. Um, I had an, an identity as a mother and I had an identity as a physician, but I had lost my own sense of self, if that makes any sense. Totally and, makes sense. <laughs> and I, I just, I didn't know exactly what I needed to do to change. And I get emotional even talking about it because it makes me sad that I last, I, I lived that way for, you know, five to six years. Um, but it, I didn't know what I needed to do exactly, but I knew that the answer was spending, the, the answers would only come 
if I withdrew a little bit from my normal day to day and I gave myself time to figure out how to get myself back on track and out of the mess that I was in internally. The hard thing was that outside, externally, I looked great. I mean, like mm -hmm. physically, I didn't look great. I, I was overweight. I wasn't exercising. I wasn't eating healthy. Um, I wasn't sleeping well. I had massive stress. But on paper, I looked great, right? Like I had papers and talks and all this stuff. And so I think that there's a dichotomy there. And that's how I became, I, I literally rebuilt my life in a year, slowly by slowly, by giving myself what I call the hour of power. I gave myself, I started with 30 minutes a day to myself. And that allowed me to, you know, when you are living in the desert, you can't find the water, right? Mm -hmm. You have to like get under a shade tree and think about the plan of getting to water. And that's what my hour of power was. And through that, I re recognized that one of the symptoms of my burnout was isolation and I needed friends and I needed other women that could understand me and accept me for who I was. So that's how I started a group called Style MD that led to me starting Brave Enough. So that's how I got to where I am now. Nice. You know, that's quite a path. And I think so many people listening will be able to identify with at least parts of that path, right? That, mm -hmm. that loss of identity and the, um, you know, kind of waking up one day and going, what? <laughs> what <happened>? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> how did I get when you were there, had you heard about burnout? Like, was it a term that you recognized and were able to apply to yourself? Or was it something you were just like, this isn't right and I don't know why? Yeah. No, I mean, certainly there was some early publications coming out out of Mayo, etc. Um, but it wasn't something that I was really I, I, I didn't notice that I actually was clinically burned out. And I remember my husband asking me, are you depressed? Do you think you have clinical depression? And I was like, I'm just tired. I, how can I even know if I'm depressed? I'm so tired and I have no time to even think about what's wrong with me because I'm constantly doing the next thing. And yet it was so, it was like this sense of failure. And I, the only way that, that I can describe it, and I've described it to several of my friends is it's like I was running as fast as I could to catch something. And instead it just was getting farther and farther and farther in the distance and I couldn't keep up. And so I didn't know I was burned out. I didn't know to say like, I'm burned out. I, I think I said that not realizing that that was actually a clinical phenomenon. But uh, now that I've studied it and look back, I'm like, oh, that's what happened to me. And many people actually, some of my close friends were like, when I started getting better, they were, my colleagues at work and friends would say, are you going through a midlife crisis? And I would say, why? And they would say, because you're like exercising and you're eating healthy and you're like saying no to things and you're leaving work before six o'clock at night and you're spending time with people. They're like, are you going through a midlife crisis? And I thought that is hysterical. Actually, no, I'm getting better. But from I was so used to doing everything everybody else wanted me to do and not setting boundaries that people actually thought I was going through a midlife crisis or having like a career crisis when I actually started being healthy and getting hmm. out of my burnout. If that makes sense. It's an interesting statement about just the, the medical community in, in general with that, right? Like mm -hmm. that, that 
as physicians, the taking care of ourselves is a bit of an anomaly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and the thing that makes me the most sad is that it's still taking care of yourself as a physician. Still, you have to kind of go out of the normal path to do that. Like, it's not like we can show up at the hospital first thing in the morning and take care of ourselves, or we can find healthy food in the hospital at 8 PM when we're, you know, finally, do you know what I'm saying? Like it's oh, still yeah. take, it still takes the, it's on the physician to go, do extra things to put health back into your life, which you would think being physicians and supposed to be leading this, that, that our institutions would make it super easy. Like it would be part of our everyday. Yeah, that would be nice. But yeah, and, and just, you know, like you, your post call today and like that whole thing of being a physician, right? Taking care of yourself when you're not actually able to sleep and you're up in the middle of the night and there's no healthy food options if you're hungry and the next day maybe you have to keep working. Like there's, there's right. so many things that create challenges to actually keep yourself as that priority. So tell me about your hour of power. What did that look like initially? Yeah. So, you know, I'm an extrovert and, um, it was interesting. I love being around people and I, I love doing things with people and I get energy from other people. And so I recognize that when I was burning out those years that I was living, just feeling so empty inside. I was very much, I would avoid any time by myself, hmm. even though I would say I'm tired. I, I, I really wish I had more time for myself. I didn't want to spend an hour with myself or 30 minutes with myself because my life was a mess inside. I was a mess. And spending time with myself scared me because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to think about all the stuff I have to do. I don't want to think about what I should be doing right now. I don't want to think about how I've overcommitted myself. So I avoided it. And, but, but at the same time, I knew that like the answers were inside of me and I had to spend time by myself. So I started getting up an hour early because I was like, well, the only time that I have during the day, I'm a mom, I come home, I have to be with my kids and take care of my children is really early in the morning. So I would get up at like 4.45 almost every morning. And some days I would exercise. I started exercising. Some days I would just sit at my table, coffee table, um, or kitchen table and drink coffee and just write a little bit um, mm-hmm. in my journal. Some days I would just get up and cry. <laughs> like I would have a good cry. And I was like, I don't even know why I'm crying. But the more I spent that hour of power on myself, the more I started feeling like myself again. And I could see like, why am I doing this? Why did I commit to this paper or publication? Or why am I doing this administrative duty? I actually don't like it. Why am I committing to this? Why did I say yes to this? I don't want to do that. I could actually see what was creating my overcommitment and I could, I could see what was healthy in my practice, what was not healthy for me in my practice, who was a, a positive person in my life, who was not a positive person in my life. And I could see where I needed to start setting boundaries. And I think that unless you actually take time for yourself, you don't even know how to get better. You mm-hmm. don't even know how unhealthy you are. You know, it's like 
avoiding the scale year after year after year. You don't want to get on it because you don't want to face what it's going to say. That's just, that was me not wanting to spend time with myself because I didn't want to face myself. So that's what I did. I called it my hour power and it slowly became an addiction. And now I like live for that hour. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I, I do that too, is get up early and have that time to myself before anybody else is up or can ask me for anything. <laughs> um, and it, it's, it, you know, it, it, like for anybody listening, the idea of getting up at 445 can seem overwhelming when you're feeling burnt out and tired. Mm -hmm. But I can speak to it too, that in the moments when I've been burnt out and struggling, making myself do that has been transformational. Like a ha starting a busy day where you know that you already took time for yourself makes that day so much better. Yeah. Yep. And I, it forced me also, uh, one of the health benefits, it forced me to go to bed earlier. Yeah. Now, I don't, I, I don't want to say that that was super easy. It wasn't. That caused a lot of, um, at first it caused a lot of you know, friction in my family life because my husband was used to me staying up with him and I would, you know, go through the school papers and prep for the next day and do all the lunches and all that. And I just started going to bed at nine o'clock. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to bed, peace out. And my husband's like, what, you know, and you're not going to help me do this. And like, this is the time that we talk. So it took a several months for us to kind of figure out a new structure for our family. Because when you're the mom, you, what you do affects everybody else, right? Like there's a trickle down effect. So I don't want to come on here and just be like, Oh, just get up an hour earlier. I mean, it, it, it took several months for everybody to get on board. Um, I hired somebody to come earlier in the morning and actually prep for the, the day with the kids, you know, I mean, it cost me something. So it's not like it was just like, Oh, I'm just going to wake up an hour earlier and lose an hour of sleep. I, I had to shift all that and it made everybody else in the family shift as well. And I think that's, it's uncomfortable when you make a change. So that's why people just quit. They're like, this is not even worth it. This is, this is too hard to do, but I stuck with it. And now it's part of my everyday. Nice. And it sounds like those initial changes you're making to improve yourself weren't big, drastic changes like often yeah. when we're in that burnt out state we think you know it all has to change like you know the whole job yes. has to go yeah but sometimes yeah. it's just little things that need to change to start you feeling better yes and one of the things that i did for about 6 months was i said no to so many things and it was so hard for me but what i did was someone told me write it down write on your whiteboard in your office like all the things you said no to and then you visualize it and it'll get easier and i did that at first i was like why would i keep track of all the things i say no to but it actually was really empowering and now i'm so much better at saying no thank you because i I've done it for years, but at first it was really awkward. And all these changes, I think you're, you just are so correct that it wasn't like some big change. It's not like I went away to some camp and my life changed. I'd made very small changes. I started going to bed earlier, started getting up earlier. I stopped drinking diet soda. That was like mind blowing for me. But I mean, I was like living on diet Coke to get through my day in life. I stopped doing that. Um, that made me feel a hundred times better. I had no idea that I was, it was bothering my stomach as much as it was until I stopped. Um, I just started, you know, doing small things like little things that just kind of made everything better. 
and the one thing that I really, I, that was hard for me, I think the hardest thing was, um, you know, not being the person that will do anything for everybody. Yeah. I think that it had really, yes. And it's still something I struggle with. It's not like I have figured that out in life. Um, that's, I think going to be a continual struggle to make me try to avoid burnout. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very good point because especially as women and moms or a lot of us being women and moms, um, that's a, a easy thing to fall into is the, you know, everybody else's priorities are more ahead of what yours are. Um, it's hard to change that sometimes. What, it is. And it's, it's very, um, you know, we are like rewarded for that. Yeah. Like we give awards to moms for that. <laughs> you know, no, it's just, like. Well, it's just listening to your episode on the mom guilt. On, on your podcast and which is uh-huh. totally along that those lines right like you have your <laughs> the idea of the perfect mom does all this mm-hmm. yes <laughs> works a full-time <laughs> physician job and does all call uh <laughs> it's hard to balance <laughs> um so tell me about uh, brave enough so how did you kind of mentioned like it evolved to brave enough, but give us a bit more information about that. Yeah. So after about a year of giving myself the hour power and kind of climbing out of this pit that I was in, um, I realized that I was really lonely and I had isolated myself for a number of reasons. I think it's just natural when you're, uh, when you're working full time and then you start having family to let your friendships go because it's really hard to find time to make time for friends. And I was like, gosh, I don't remember the last time I spent any time with my friends. And I felt like even if I was struggling, I didn't have someone that I could reach out to, which was crazy because I'm like super extroverted and I always have had a lot of friends, but I was really lonely and I just, Mm -hmm. I didn't have women that I could really talk to. So I started a text group and I was like, basically I added 10 women doctors that I kind of knew from different areas of my life. And I said, you know, do you want to be in this positive, encouraging text group with me? And they were like, sure. And what I was really saying was, do you want to be my friend? (laughs) Like I was like, hey, I need a friend. Um, And it was like, you know, going up to people on the playground, except for I was, you know, like in my late thirties. So I started this um, text group and we would just encourage each other and share struggles. And then that evolved to a Facebook group. And I, at the same time, I was like, you know, I feel like I'm hiding as a woman and I feel like I can't be, I can't wear lipstick or else someone's like, what, what's happening to you? Are you going somewhere tonight? And like, if I wear lipstick to the hospital, I'm like, no, I'm, this is me. <laughs> I'm a woman. <laughs> I like lipstick. Um, and I felt like I wanted there to be like a safe place for women doctors where attendings, where they could just ask like questions like, should I wear this and not be criticized for not being a professional? Because that's who we are as women. Like we, we, 
have likes and interests that oftentimes we cannot show in our work because we want to be taken seriously. And the role model for who is a serious professional is a man in a suit. And none of us are ever going to be that. So I made this group and I said, okay, everybody can invite like two people. So it started out with like 30 women and it's called Style MD. It's a secret Facebook group. You can't find it on Facebook, but you can join if you join my information on my website to get there. It's, it's an amazing group. It's grown to 10,000 women doctors. And at the same time, I had all these women who were my friends that were not doctors and they're like, well, we want to write, see what you're writing and we want to read and we want to be part of the community. Um, so I started Brave Enough which is my public page. And it just started out as a blog. Really, honestly, that's how it started. Um, and I was really afraid to publish it because I was known in my, you know, academic circles for being this cardiac anesthesiologist, not like this woman who, you know, has a blog and talks about lipstick and leadership and all these things. And so it took me about a year to get brave enough. That's why I called it brave enough to push publish mm -hmm. um, that has grown into a conference and retreats classes just resources for women who were like me five years ago who are like I'm burned out I'm overwhelmed I need some friends I need a community of other women I want to join and be a part of this and that's just very simply what it is um, I didn't set out to start that I really set out just to help myself get back to me but that's what it's evolved to which is pretty awesome. Like, you know, <laughs> it it's is awesome. What, again, small changes, like you make some changes to help yourself and then it just becomes a snowball and then you're helping so many other people. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, it, it is, it's, it's amazing because we share, I think women recognize, we actually are so much more alike than we realize um, and our struggles are so much more alike than we realize. And it's easy to see someone on, on social media or at a conference or at your work every day and kind of write a story in your mind about that person and not realize that like she may share all the same struggles that you share or a lot of the similar ones and you could be encouraging each other. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your best, like if somebody's listening to this and is identifying with a lot of what you're saying and thinking, oh, geez, I'm burnt out, what would be your best tips for them to start addressing it? So the first thing I tell people to do is um, to withdraw from paper and projects because no one's going to die if you do that, Okay. Don't withdraw from your people. And when I say your people, I mean like your family, your close friends, your five. Don't withdraw from people. If you start seeing one, someone that you care about withdraw from you and you're a very close loved one to them or colleague, that's a red flag. So it's not okay to withdraw from the people in our life that really fill us up and care about us, but it's totally okay to withdraw, push pause on paper and projects. Nobody's going to die if you don't meet deadlines, right? Like that, that is, that is just the first thing to do. And then I always tell people, cause I counsel a lot of people that are struggling with this is they need immediate, like three to five days of their own time mm. because you can't even tell.
tell what you like and you don't like, what you enjoy doing, what you don't enjoy doing, what's causing you stress because you don't enjoy it or what's causing you stress, but you do enjoy it, if that makes sense, but you just mm-hmm. got to get it done until you just push pause. And I've actually given this advice and people, uh, uh, when I give talks and people are like, well, burnout can't be fixed by taking a vacation. I'm like, no, but self-awareness only comes when you spend time alone with yourself. And I probably do this two or three times a year where I just take like two days, random days off and I don't schedule the oil to be changed, my dentist appointment, all this stuff. And I literally just unplug from everybody. And my husband's like, oh, you're great. You're off tomorrow. Can you do this? I'm like, nope, I cannot do anything for anyone tomorrow. I am doing self-reflection on myself. And I really tell people to do that. Um, Because what that will allow you to do is to come up with a list of things that need to go, like your out list. So often we find ourselves overcommitted or taking way too much patient clinical responsibilities. Um, And we are, and then what happens is everyone around us becomes used to us doing that, but it's non-sustainable. Maybe it's sustainable for like three months while, you know, you're recruiting a new partner or, but what happens is everyone then around you, including administration and everyone is like, well, you've been covering that for the last six months. We're just going to have you keep covering that. You have to learn how to set boundaries, but you could only understand what actual boundaries need to be set when you take time off for yourself. So that's the first thing. And then mm-hmm. not feeling guilty. Like there's a reason you're burned out. It, this is what I tell people <laughs> and lazy people don't burn out. So if you're burning out, it's because you're probably one of the most hardest working people in your department, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Don't feel guilty that you've burned out. Don't keep doing the things you're doing. You know, you got to get better and you got to learn how to set boundaries and you got to learn how to say no. And you have to have some difficult, maybe crucial conversations with your, your colleagues, your administration, et cetera. But don't feel guilty that you've burned out because people that are lazy don't burn out. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. the high achievers that burn out. So you probably burned out because you're like killing it. You just have to figure out how you're going to, you know, come emerge as the new you. Excellent. And so how do you like the time to yourself, those days to yourself, how do you stay committed to fully protecting those times? Cause that's, that's hard, right? Like, like you said, there's so many little things like just, just this little thing. Yes. And then they take over. Yes. Yes. So one of the things that I know led to my burnout is I'm an anesthesiologist and I work 24 hour shifts. Um, and I could be up for 24 hours. And when my kids were little, that meant I was away from them for 24 hours. So I would come home and I would never have my nanny stay that day, anyone there to take care of my kids because I missed them and I was gone from them and I felt guilty. So I would literally like miss a day of sleep. Like I would just come home and they would be, I'm like, we're going to go to the zoo. I'm like, I look back at that. I'm like, what was I thinking? By four o'clock that day, I was exhausted weepy, you know, like all the things, but I spent time with my kids. So I felt like I checked the box. Right. And now I literally, I have totally realized like years of that just ate away at me. And we know from sleep studies that you never get that back, right? Like you can't Mm -hmm. like sleep twice as much on the weekend and make up for not sleeping all week. So now I am very like today I'm post call today. I still have someone coming and running my kids to the dentist and doing that. 
I would never have done that five years ago. I felt guilty doing that. Now I'm like, this is my time that I'm carving out, whether I'm either going to sleep or write or do something for myself, exercise, take a walk. I'm not, I, this is my day. This is my health day. And I have to change my mindset around it um, because I know that it's going to allow me to prevent burnout. So I've even told some women that I coach that are so burned out, they, can't, they don't even know where to start. I've had them go to a hotel room for 24 hours, hmm. like check into a hotel for two days on a weekend. And they're like, I can't do that. I have three kids and my husband. I'm like, I bet if you asked your husband and he would probably agree with me and tell you to do that. And they do. And they go to a hotel and they're like, oh my gosh, I slept. I felt so much better. I actually spent time with my journal, like writing out the things I need to stop doing and the things I need to start doing. But you can't get there without self-reflection and clarity and really putting those boundaries around. Mm -hmm. And what are your tips? Because boundaries are something, again, that are difficult for, I think, particularly females um, mm -hmm. and maybe more so like female moms and stuff. Uh, but what are your tips for learning how to start putting boundaries in place in a way that doesn't, I think we're always fearful that if I put a boundary down, it's going to create conflict or some yes. sort of negativity. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. So there, I have a class that I teach on this and um, we call it boundary management. Um, the first thing is that I think every woman needs a space in her house that is literally her space. I'm sitting on my space right now. This is my little white couch. Okay. I have four kids. There's no way that I would ever have white furniture in my house, but they know this is mom's little space. And when mom's sitting in her space, in her bedroom, on her white couch, nobody can sit on the couch. Nobody can talk to mom. Nobody can bother mom. Like she's in her space. And, and I literally have had to train them to do this. I mean, even the dog knows like, Oh, she's sitting there. I'm going to go here. Um, <laughs> And I, I've literally, I used to live in a really small house and I used to have that be my, like my area was in the closet. Like if I was sitting on the floor of my closet, like don't come near me. Um, but I think everybody needs an actual space in their house. And then here's the thing about setting boundaries. Um, when we set boundaries, we, we are actually telling other people who we are and we're creating our own story for ourselves. Meaning if we say, you know, I'm not going to go to that recruitment dinner tonight. Um, thank you for the invitation. I'm previously engaged. That's all you have to say. You don't have to say, I'm going to my kid's soccer game. Actually, you don't owe anybody any explanation why you're, but you're setting a boundary that says, I'm not doing recruitment dinners. I will do two a year and I'm not doing this one. Like that's a boundary. And people get really nervous because they think they're, they're basically saying no, and that's going to create conflict. What you do is when you set that boundary, you're actually setting a stake. You're setting a flag up that says, I respect myself and I'm asking you to respect that. Now, if the other person is like, well, what do you mean you're not going to do that? You, you can just ask them, well, are you, can you explain, explain, are you frustrated or put it back on them? Do not apologize. You never apologize for setting boundaries. You just need to learn how to do it and get more comfortable with it. And most of the time when you start setting boundaries, then people know like, oh, she said no to this, or she set a boundary, I'm not going to ask her to do this other thing, or I'm not going to take advantage of her, I'm not going to ask her to do something without pay or time compensation. 
but it takes practice because we are people pleasers by nature and it feeds our ego when people are happy with us. So you have to understand that there is probably going to be conflict initially, but in the end, people will respect you more because you've set those boundaries. Excellent. Uh, so tell me about your book because you have a book coming up. Yeah. So I have a book coming out in January of 2020. I'm super excited. It's called Between Grit and Grace and um, you can buy it on Amazon. Um, and I'm super, I'm just honored to write this book. I've always wanted to write a book since I've been a young girl. I love to read and it's one of my hobbies. And it's really a book about how I burned out and how I realized that I was not living as authentic as myself. And I, I was not living um, a life for me. I lost my identity in being a doctor and being a mom and how it's okay to possess both grit and be gritty and be formidable and also grace, which is a very more like feminine trait that women carry more than men. Um, oftentimes I think we can't be both of those things. We either have to be this like hard, you know, hardcore, you know, serious professional woman, or we're seen as a pushover, but there's actually success in being both of those things and they're not mutually exclusive. And so that's what the book is about. And I'm really excited about it. Awesome. And where can people find you? They can follow me on Twitter. Um, I'm at R, the letter R, the letter U, are you brave enough? Um, you can follow me on Facebook. Um, my page is become, is brave enough or become brave enough, um, is the hashtag or the at become brave enough. And then you can follow me on Twitter, become brave enough, but you, the best place is just to find me on my website, um, which is become brave enough.com. And you can sign up, um, to be a part of the community. You'll get a little, every Monday, you'll get a 30 second read from me on that's encouraging. And you can join if you're attending woman physician, uh, you can join my silent D community secret community that way through the website. So that's probably the best way. Nice. And any last minute tips before we wrap up? Um, no, I just, you know, I would just encourage everyone to, uh, put themselves first and, you know, it's kind of, you know, we've all heard you can't save the person next to you till you put their life jacket on yourself. And that's really very true. And you should never feel guilty about putting your health first. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on, Sasha. Thank you. Wasn't that great? I really enjoyed Sasha's approach, and she is such an easy, interesting person to talk to. I, I hope you enjoyed it as well. Let me know your thoughts at uh, info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca, or you can comment on the blog post. Uh, I'll link in the show notes. And if you're struggling with your weight and possibly with some burnout or other stressors. I, I think it's important to talk about how impactful one-on-one -on -one coaching can be for that. So the one-on-one -on -one coaching that I do in my coaching programs really gets at the root of the overeating or eating off plan type behaviors. And often at the root of those are things that are leading to extra stress, extra burnout. So often by doing the one-on-one -on -one coaching for weight, we help somebody feel more in control of their weight and feel that they can manage their own weight, but also other areas of their life improve. So they have less stress and uh, enjoy their job, enjoy their other aspects of their life more. 
And if that sounds like that could be helpful for you, just head over to my webpage, weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca forward slash work with me. There's hyphens between work with and me. Uh, you can click on the link at the top of the webpage too that says work with me and book an introductory session, which gives us a chance to just sit down and talk together about how I could best help you. All right, we'll talk to you later, guys. Have a fantastic week. And now for a quick disclaimer, this podcast contains general education information on weight loss for physicians. I'm not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing.